Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Damon, and this is your recap of this week's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, what up? Happy to be here. What a week, man. I mean, so much for a weak field. That was a great tweet by you, Rick, because that, that story was for completely forgotten by Sunday. Burger, Cantlay, Spieth, Casey, all in the mix of it. All the studs, the, the, the studs that were in the field made plenty of noise. Mark Immelman is there. Mark, you're at Pebble. Mm. Welcome. Good to have you. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm kind of, I'm actually packed and ready to uh, hustle to San Francisco airport for the red eye back. But yeah, it was, uh, I'm with Greg. It was, it turned out to be a fantastic afternoon, super day. Lots of drama, honestly, and the golf course played its part, which for me is always cool. We'll make sure to get you out of here on time so you don't miss your flight. And Kyle Porter is here. KP, what up? You know, if I'm private, Mark. No, bro. That's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. I figured. Uh, I figured Mr. Nance would have a, a, a plane all ready for you to just fly out of his backyard. No, no. Well, he's going. Well, well, there's LA next week, and I'm going home for a little bit. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, with that. It's Daniel Berger straight vibing his way to victory 18 under par, including a Sunday 65. Uh, I already talked to, to Kyle about this, Greg. So we'll start with you. I basically have made the argument that Daniel Berger objectively was the best player in the field this week. Obviously he wins the golf tournament. So that goes a long way, but there are a lot of times on the PGA tour where the guy who plays the best doesn't win. And Berger got the wrong end of the draw. He was phenomenal on Sunday. He led the field in strokes gained approach. He led the field in strokes gained T to green. Even the putts he missed were on the lip. I mean, this guy was in full control and then he stamps an exclamation point on the 18th green when he rolls in Eagle to lock this thing down. Yeah, that was sweet. If you listen to his interview, he hit two of, I mean, he hit yeah. the best three wood he's ever hit in his life and the best putt he's ever hit in his life. Back-to-back uh, shots, the two best yeah. shots of his life. That's yeah. got to be the best. In that moment yeah. is like and, the best time to ever do it. And now he uh, also shared with us he's playing the best golf of his life. So it, this times are good. He is really, really straight vibing. But by the way, I have a I have a Daniel Berger story to tell you. This wow. is a little off. This is a tan. It, it's not directly related to him, but in the spirit of Valentine's Day, I have to I have to share it. So I, apologize I have no idea where this tangent. is going. This is going to so, be the best. It's already uh, the best podcast we've ever had. It's been, it's been so much already. Gonna, I mean, <laughs> we're going to go down to Jupiter East about uh, five years ago. Okay, this is the night the night that I met my wife for the very first time. And my wife was staying in, she was living in West Palm and she had a friend from Rhode Island where she grew up visiting. And so there's this thing called the food trucks that everybody goes to. And I, I go and she goes and we end up meeting each other. And that's a different part of the story. But she had this friend visiting. <laughs> and the only reason that she went is because her friend meets 
this guy. And so they're, they're hanging out. So she gets freed up. She doesn't have to host. She like plans kind of change. So we end up meeting for the very first time. And I eventually, uh, like the next day I go to her house and there at her house is her friend and Daniel Berger's brother. And if it weren't for Daniel Berger's brother meeting my wife's friend, I never would, I I wouldn't have ever met my wife. So fascinating story. So thank you, Johnny Berger. I'll give him a little shout out. Uh, So it's a quite, quite a day in the Berger household today. It sounds like quite a day in the Ducharme house. <laughs> it is Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, there you go. Johnny Burger. That's the first Johnny Burger <laughs> shout out we've ever had. On the yeah. first, that sounds like a fake name. That's a fake name. <laughs> no, I was going to say, great if, my, guy. If, if my last name was Burger, I would name my kid Johnny. It, 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 it's, it's perfect. Johnny Burger. <laughs> oh, Johnny Berger. Well, uh, Johnny's brother, Daniel, makes the most of his week. He cashes in his second victory since the restart. So, Mark, this is uh, via Justin Ray. I believe everything's from Justin Ray. The golfers who have won multiple times since the restart. Dustin Johnson, John Rom, Colin Morikawa, Bryson DeChambeau, and now Daniel Berger. Should we be talking about DB straight vibe in a different echelon of player? Well, we kind of were last year as a group, weren't we? I mean, after that run across the summertime when, you know, that's Carl raising his hand. Carl was on the Daniel Berger train, and we know we know how fickle Carl can be because the only guy he's hung really around with for any extended period of time has been Jordan. Um, yeah, but no, he's 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 for real. I mean, I, I like the quip you made earlier where, you know, he was arguably the best player in the field. I mean, I would counter with, with Patrick Cantlay, who just, I mean, looked sensational. Just couldn't buy anything coming down the stretch Saturday, Sunday, and Paul Casey, kind of the same deal. But the everyone will everyone will make a bunch about the putt that he hold on eighteen there. I got to tell you that three woody hits. I was out there. That I've seen a number of shots in my time, and that shot with nothing but Pacific down the left, you know, bunker and tree on the right hand side, and it's a small target. That was laced, and it was high, and it was. I, I mean. I was I wasn't overcome. That's a big statement, but that was a heck of a shot to get under the pressure. And he was overcome. Yeah, <laughs> well, you you saw the emotion afterwards because they had our cameras trained on him um, after the round, and you could see he was sort of wiping his eyes a little bit because I think it dawned on him what he pulled off. I mean, the start to the round was fantastic. He hung on there through the middle and then finished with a flourish, and it was some really sound golf and and. The thing about his game is, for someone who hits it pretty long, he's so reliable. Uh, he's he's very very accurate off the tee. He's one he's one dimensional in the ball flight. He controls the distance well, and he's got great touch around the green. So, I wouldn't say he's complete. You know, he, Dustin Johnson to me and Rory are sort of they're in a different level. But if Daniel Berger plays like that, he said as much afterwards. He goes, "When I'm at my best, I'm tough to beat." Because he's got the tools, but he's got the ment- he's got that blue chip thing about him as well. You know, the the guy's just he's a grinder, and and he's never going to let you go. And and it was a very very good, uh, an impressive performance. I watched him put together today. You see, I would argue that he is complete. Real quick, I, I think he is complete. He may just he's just not supercharged the same way that DJ and and Rory are. There's definitely I agree with you, Mark. There's a there's a different level, but I think with his um his current sort of makeup i think he is complete uh, throughout the back greg who's better right now rory or daniel berger oh, 
Well, see, better <laughs> is Say a it, tough Greg. question. Because who's playing better? Daniel Berger's <clears throat> playing better. I'd rather I'd I'd rather have Daniel Berger on my team than Rory right now. Just just because Rory has a, a clear weakness and he hasn't quite shown us that he can overcome it. But I think overall, talent wise, I don't think there's really much of a question. It's it's Rory. I want to actually flash back here to July 7th, 2020. This is a day uh, that will live in infamy and continues to live (laughs) in infamy because Kyle Porter released his top five golfers in the world power rankings. And if you're watching on YouTube, producer Jacob has them up here. And these rankings are one, Bryson DeChambeau, two, Daniel Berger, three, Webb Simpson, four, Terrell Hatton, five, Dustin Johnson. KP, you you got ratioed pretty hard for this. Uh, I, I think you could actually rub it in everybody's face right now. I think this you are just getting like solidified on, on this take. Well, one, I could rub it in everybody's face then because it was a power ranking. It was, it was literally like you, you want to be a prisoner of the moment. It was not – I mean it's kind of what Greg and I are talking about right now. It's not like a, who's who has the most talent. It's who had been playing the best – and Berger, I mean, you, Rick, Rick and I talked about this on HQ. Berger's been playing at a really like top, I don't know, 15 clip for 13 months now. I mean, I think he's got, it's like nine top tens in his last 19 events, uh, two wins. You know, I think for him, it's okay. What are you going to do at majors? Can you get on a Ryder Cup team? He's never been on a Ryder Cup team, which actually surprised me when I looked it up. I think he's been on one or at least one, maybe two President's Cups team, Cup teams. Um, but yeah, like people can get out of, get out of my mentions with the uh, the power ranking thing. He was <laughs> he was playing like a top five guy then, and he still is. Uh, I, I absolutely love this. And and, and that to me is a, a really big part of this story, Greg, is this is not since the restart. This is like a year's worth of really solid golf from Daniel Berger. You know, the thing that I've been kind of saying all week is uh, go back to this event last year. He finished T5. He was ranked outside the, he was ranked 123rd after Pebble Beach last year. He's going to wake up tomorrow as the 13th ranked player in the world. And he's been in that top 15 for what, eight, nine months, something like that. I mean, this is yeah. not a meteoric rise. It's not a blip on the radar. It's like, he's really good. Right. He really, it, this has been steady play. And, you know, he gets, there's a, a couple ways he's viewed a little differently. He hasn't won majors. He hasn't contended in majors. And he he doesn't necessarily have the cachet to be like a, a Ricky Fowler type superstar. You're not seeing him in commercials. You're not seeing that kind of stuff with Daniel Berger. But he was the rookie of the year in a class with Justin Thomas back at, I want to say it was 2014. And he was playing at a great level, a very high level then until a wrist injury in 2018, he injured his wrist and he kind of goes, uh, kind of goes away a little bit. He loses his game. And if I mean, a wrist injury in the game of golf is not an easy thing to deal with. It's extremely frustrating and, and they can, uh, because of the nature of the, the game, they can linger for a while. So once that got healed, all of a sudden you started to see Daniel Berger, uh, perform the way that um, kind of to who he really is as a player. So I don't think this is a hot streak. I don't think this is a, uh, like you said, Rick, a meteoric rise. This is who he is. And we just kind of forgot about it for, for two seasons while he was injured. So if that didn't happen and this was happening two years ago, I, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised and, and you shouldn't be surprised now. Cause you're right. It's been going on for uh, a, a year plus. Well, to build on Greg's point, um, you know, I'm one of, a select few of us that grade golfers by the score on the end of their scorecard. And as I look at as I look at the numbers since the CJ Cup, 
he's had he hasn't had a round over par. He's gone. He was five hundred at the CJ Cup, fifteen at the Zozo, eleven at Mayakoba, Century Tournament champions nineteen under. Following week, Sony eighteen under. Waste management, he shot two under, missed the cut, and this week he's eighteen under. I mean, this is a guy who's just had a plethora of rounds in the sixties since the U.S. Open, and he's clearly found whatever the recipe is. And and I think you and I spoke last night, Rick. I think he sort of found an element of free swinging about him because he actually, by his own ad- admission, said that, you know, prior to the injury, he was just good at golf, so he played it. But now post-injury, he's a lot more thankful. He's free yeah. swinging. He's in love with the game. And because he's in love with the game, he's prepared to work harder. And you add a healthy dose of work to some talent, and all of a sudden you've got yourself a recipe for success. And and, and beware the confident golfer. And he's, he's, he's got a bunch of swagger about him right now. I think the thing I like, most about him is I think he wants the ball. Like I I think there are a lot of guys on tour who are super talented and they don't really want the ball. And they would say they do like, they would say they want Rory first in the Ryder cup on Sunday, but, but they don't like deep down. They don't. I mean, seriously. And, and, And that's not, that's not a bad thing. That's just, that's just part of like your makeup. And I think Berger does. I think he's got a little like of that kind of Patrick Reed in him. The good part. Um, <laughs> yeah, careful. <laughs> and, and, and I it, and I love that. I he's kind of a dog. Like he kind of just gets after it. And you combine that with really a lot of talent. And you know, I think what you get is somebody who, you know, other than his injury, whatever it was, eighteen months or two years, kind of won a lot uh, on the PJ Tour in terms of the percentage of of events that he's played in. I like that a lot. Uh, Abraham Answer said he wanted Tiger Woods, and we know how that ended up going for him. That was that was, that was, that was a, yeah, that was fake wanting Tiger. That was <laughs> that was uh, I, that was starstruck. I, I'd love to play with Tiger. Well, I'd get I'd ask for his yeah. autograph. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is also, I mean, to to your point of of wanting the ball, KP, the guy steps on eighteen t tied and the guy he's tied with is already in the clubhouse so birdie to win uh he then proceeds to hit the in his words the best three wood he's ever hit in his life and then the best putt he's ever hit in his life so yeah i think this guy wants the ball in a big way i like the way you look at that um might be, might that, be a prisoner of the moment a little bit but we'll, we'll give him <laughs> the benefit of the doubt <laughs> no not at all um the if that wasn't enough we have to talk about jordan spieth here who yeah. finishes t3 it is a sunday 70 we'll give you a, a chance to catch your breath here kyle uh greg we'll start with you on this because what we were trying to decide on hq earlier was kind of the the whole perception versus reality thing from jordan spieth right you know back-to-back top five finishes obviously those are good results but when you are the 54 hole leader the 54 co 54 hole co-leader is he going to feel some level of disappointment and like what's his mindset moving forward yeah of course there's going to be disappointment um he wouldn't be who he is if this kind of thing didn't disappoint him. But uh, I I think there are a lot of positives to take away. Once the sting of not winning um, goes away, I think he'll look at, and if you listen to what he said with Amanda Balionis, he he said, I I stepped on 17T thinking I needed Birdie Eagle to have a chance. And I made Birdie on 17, and then I I, uh, gave myself an iron in 18. So, I mean, Berger made Eagle, so it kind of ruled that out. But he, he still put himself right there in position. So it was sloppy early. Uh, he didn't take advantage of the early portion of the round. He was one over through six, which is a stretch where you really have to get after it. 
And uh, so it was, I think there's a lot he can take from this. It, it's a kind of a, some things just didn't go his way. Like the break on three, he didn't hit a terrible shot there, but he gets a really bad break. That can happen. Six. I, I don't know. Mark would know better than me about that. Que- the the strategy on six of trying to hit it way left up on top of the hill. I, it seems like a risky strategy to me. Um, but, but again, kind of a bad break five's a tough hole. So that first stretch, he, it just, it didn't quite go his way and it feels like he's forcing it a little bit. So I, I think there's a lot of positives to take. Um, but it, he's gotta, he's gotta clean things up. He's gotta let things come to him a little bit more because we're losing the magic on Sunday, there, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we, there's a lot of magic with Jordan and, um, and he's done that on Sundays before historically, we're just not seeing that yet. Well, that's the thing. I think there, Greg, you're, you make good points, but I think you're tarring him in an old brush there saying that he's got, he doesn't have the magic on Saturday, Sunday. You can certainly say that for last week at the Waste Management event. Now, as I look through what he did here at Pebble Beach this week here, now granted the golf course became a bit more receptive, so targets were playing wider. But over a four-round event, you can't afford to make four sixes on par fives, which is what he did. And so as I look at this, I'm like, this guy stood up with driver, which has been the Achilles heel in the biggest way, on certain holes where it's single file down there, and he swung away and hit the ball into play, which to me spoke to not just the golf swing, but to the mindset of trusting the golf swing. And you know as a golf instructor, working the changes in is one thing, then applying them under pressure is another, and then doing the stuff on Sunday is an entirely another. And so to me, I, I think there's a bunch of green lights here for Jordan Spieth. If he just irons out the par five play, if he makes four pars on those, it's a different story here this week. So you, there's there's two things you can't afford to do. On the three, to me, on the tour. Don't let your draws fade or your fades draw. <laughs> make threes on threes and make fours on fives. And he made six, five, four sixes on par fives this week. And that's always going to haunt you. I don't care how good you are. I want to look at uh, his numbers for this week, KP. He finishes the week, of course, with the caveat that we only have three measured rounds, the rounds that were played at at Pebble Beach. 37th off the tee, 10th on approach, uh, 42nd in putting, and I'm losing his tee to green number. Sixth in strokes gained tee to green. All good takeaways if you want to roll this thing forward and continue to find yourself on the first page of the leaderboard. Well, my only question is how many he's going to win the Masters by in April. <laughs> Minus seven. <laughs> I guess I already said Bryson was going to win by five or more. Um, I don't <laughs> let your hot that... takes conflict with one another. <laughs> <laughs> They're burning each I other think that, I think that I'm more encouraged by this week than last week. Um, and it... <laughs> Like the, the driver was really bad on Sunday. Like he he kind of lost it over the last twelve holes. He just he didn't give himself any scoring opportunities, and so he was having to to try to make twenty five footers and four. And it's just that you can't you can't do that when Cantlay and Berger and you know those guys are involved. Uh, but I think the reason I'm more encouraged he didn't he didn't do anything special with the putter this week, right? He was a zero putter, I think, just above, just below, something like that. And yet he still can Dude, were you watching and- golf on Friday? Holy cow. He made everything he stood over. <laughs> Come on, Kyle. I'm just yeah, looking he, at the I numbers. I mean, he, did, he, he, he lost, he lost in, in, uh, in round three. 
So that um, you say Friday, Mark? Yeah, but, but yeah, but yeah, Friday is not included in that. So. It was filled up from all over the place, and yesterday it was so windy out there; it was hard to keep your balance. And so when you got yourself a few four and five footers getting gusted around by wind on Poania Greens in the final group, oh man, that's you comparing apples and oranges here. Forgive me. Right, but but the point I think Kyle's trying to make, Mark, is he he he's not leaning on the putter solely. It's not he, you don't look at this finish and say, well, he dominated. He he racked up all of his strokes on the greens. This is a little more repeatable. If Jordan has mm-hmm. the day where maybe it's not quite so windy, maybe you're not on the the Poana greens, and all of a sudden uh, he has he has a hot day with the putter. It's going to go a lot farther because the the tee to green game is it looks improved. Am I right, Kyle? Okay. Yeah, I didn't see him on Friday because he wasn't on TV on Friday. <laughs> yes, he Whenever was. he played Spyglass, what, it was on Friday. <laughs> that was Friday. Right. So w- what I'm saying, I, I don't know what I'm saying. What I, I just, I'll agree with whatever Mark said. No, 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 no. Let's not do this. <laughs> I, well, I, I just, well, I, <clears throat> no, go ahead. No, I, I just wanted to say that I have had the luxury of watching him play, and we were covering some of the stuff for Golf Channel on Friday. And there on smoother greens at Spyglass, he was lightning, making 40, he made a 40-footer on the one hole, he made a number of 10-footers. The only putt he missed was something on the last hole, which was downhill from about 10 feet, and I think that was for 65 or 66 or whatever it was. The guy was majestic. I mean, he looked like Jordan Spieth to me. He was putting the ball in play. He was hitting the irons great. To me, the iron play was, was the banner this week. And he was making everything he needed to. And he made a few putts on Saturday as well. But but then you get gusted once or twice and everyone's going to miss one or two. I mean, I saw some statistic um, here about Pebble Beach where the make percentage from three to six feet historically at this golf course is about 72%. Now, any other course with champion Bermuda Greens, it's way up in that sort of range. So so it's I'd, I'm just watchful to make, you know, analyses of putting strokes and such when we're playing on some of these West Coast greens in in sort of damp conditions when even with a small field, you got hill prints and stuff all over the show. The total putts that he took, uh, this is why total putts and looking at strokes gained is so interesting. So both on Friday and Saturday, he had 27 putts. We assume he gained at Spyglass if he was rolling everything in. He lost a shot, a 1.2 on Saturday. It was one of the worst putting rounds. All of them, both of them, 27 total putts. So um, I wish we had the strokes gained data from, from Spyglass. He lost, so he lost strokes on Saturday with 27 putts. Correct. He lost 1.2. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, but he only hit 10 of 18 greens. Right. But that's where that that's the pr- total putts doesn't, doesn't necessarily make, doesn't signify. Matter. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, there. Uh, just a quick story to put that in context. I mean, <laughs> your story, this you're a storytelling story. guy. <laughs> yeah. I had a round once in my Is Johnny career. Burger involved? <laughs> uh, same geographic location. We're back Jupiter in Jupiter East. East. Yep. And so I had a, uh, a round where I had 23 putts. Okay. It's an extremely, I, I made literally everything, but I only hit like eight greens. So I, I had 23 putts. It means I only missed five all day but I shot over par. So that's where total putts doesn't necessarily tell you exactly how you're putting. It's I, I had tap in cause I miss, I was missing greens. So I was, chi- I was chipping it close. So to- you got to be a little careful with total putts. It doesn't always tell the, the whole story. 
Uh, we're going to go rapid fire here on three guys. You're each going to get one. Mark, we'll start with you and Nate Lashley, who uh, was the feel-good story for a while. I mean, he's neck and neck with Daniel Berger. He, he, I'm thinking he might steal this thing. He went off at 150 to 1, and then he gets to number 16. He flies the green. He has a putt for par, four putts later. Uh, he's carding a triple bogey, and he's played himself out of this tournament. Um, you know, obviously, again, this is kind of the perception reality thing, Mark, which is like if you would have told Nate Lashley he was going to finish T5 five days ago, he would have been thrilled with that. But when you're in the moment and you're a competitor and you're trying to win this golf tournament, uh, he's going to look at 16 and wish he had a couple of those strokes back. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, truth is, it's hard for me to comment on Nate because I didn't really know what was going on with him. And and my question to you, and then I'd probably have a better better answer, is that was he playing from the fairway on 16 and did the ball land on the green and bounce over or did he fly it over the back? Because if he, it, if it, he was okay. playing from the fairway, it landed on the green and and then went off the back and then he had like that delicate little chip back up there. Uh, so, I mean, <clears throat> that whole location on 16 was one that you had to be very vigilant of. And, and I don't know if it's a situation where he hasn't been in contention for a long time. So he's looking at this with a scoring club in his hand going, well, I've got to force the issue here on 16. That whole location on 16, to me, the way it, way it was cut, you, you are more likely to make a mistake there attacking that thing than what you are if you just had to hit it in the middle of the green and allow the putter to be the superstar. You weren't making birdies on 16. 17 was an opportunity. 18 certainly was. So, so maybe that was because he just hadn't been in contention for a while and there's a bunch of adrenaline going on and maybe he was a little caught in the moment with a scoring club in his hand. But it's I don't want to say it's unforgivable because I've just made the argument that putting on this course is hard. But, you know, once you've missed the bogey putt, then stuff starts moving so fast inside of your head. And not only is it moving fast, then you're getting over something of similar length from the other side of the hole. Now you're going, oh my Lord, this hole is looking like the size of a quarter down there. And, and all of a sudden, the hole had appeared so big and everything was going your way, you're watching your own castle just fall down in front of your face and you've got a leaderboard right next to the uh, hole over there so you know exactly what's going on. So... There, there was, there, I think there were a bunch of factors on the go there. But I think the main thing, if you had to ask him now, I would hazard a guess. He'd say he, rude his, he would rue his decision to go off that flag on 16. Mm. Yeah, I think he took it in took it in a bit deep there. And then he tried to, I think it was his second, but he tried to just ram that thing in the back of the cup. And uh, mm. when you miss those, you're, you're in big yeah. trouble. Um, Patrick Cantlay, Kyle Porter, to use uh, a phrase that I think you used earlier, Patrick Cantlay's a problem. Like he shot a 62 on what would that have been Thursday at Pebble Beach ties the course record, even when he seemingly didn't really have his best stuff the rest of the week. Well, in contention of this thing for a very long time, I, I was waiting for that for that switch to flip and him to just kind of steal this thing. But uh, he's a problem. He is a problem. I think he's a top five guy right now. And I think, you know, I think the. The th and I mentioned this on HQ with you earlier. It's uh, does he have this Xander thing where when he touches the lead, when he gets around the lead, he's kind of allergic to it and and maybe backs off a little bit. I don't I don't think that's true of him, but that's something that to keep an eye on going forward. I think you know Xander and him have had very 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 similar careers, and they have very similar statistical profiles. You know, I think those are the guys you look at. Greg can maybe chime in on this, but. 
there's just no seemingly no holes there. You know, like they're, they're just so solid across the board. And so when he shoots 62, you're like, yeah, I mean, he just kind of <laughs> did everything that he does a little bit better than normal, you know? And, and so, um, I don't know, I I'm curious to see it, his evolution over the next year or two, because I think he's somebody who could be a top, you know, two, three, four, five player in, in the world golf rankings, um, based on where he's at right now. I think so too. And I don't think that he's allergic to the lead. Um, I, I really don't think he has that. I look at today's round from him and he gave himself putts inside of 15 feet for the entire back nine. And if just a couple of those went, and it's not that he, it, it's not bad putting. This is just a guy who's putting himself in contention regularly. And there's going to be days where they go and he shoots 62 and there's going to be days where they don't. And, um, and he doesn't shoot 60 and he doesn't win, but he's done this on Sunday too. I mean, don't forget what happened at the American express. I, I think it was, uh, instead of 62, he decided to shoot 61 on that Sunday. Yeah. yeah I would add to that. Cause I, I, I watched him play the last couple of days that there are no weaknesses in his game. He's way long enough. He flats the ball beautifully. And, and, but I was just curious at some of the green reading over the last couple of days. Now, um, in round three, they kept the greens about a half uh, half step slower. They didn't roll them in the morning because they were anticipating the winds. And if you had these greens with the slope and an extra roll job in the morning, they were going to be unputtable. And so he missed a bunch of putts low on Saturday. Then they rolled them and cut them this morning as usual. And a number of right to left putts, which is sort of the right hander's look. If you give a righty at this level a putt that moves from the right-hand side, the odds are up. You know, you give them the left-to-right one, and then it's a little bit more doubtful that they'd make. But every right-to-left, as far as my memory serves, he missed on the low side, which I found um, interesting. And so I was just wondering about the green reading some. But I got other than that, it was a pretty complete performance, and he was just outplayed today by Daniel Berger, who was playing alongside. Mm. Phenomenal day. Second straight week where it was uh, absolutely awesome. Greg, real quick, I want to talk about Maverick McNeely. Um, you know, this is, he posts the clubhouse lead. He gets in at 16 under. Uh, if if Berger makes birdie on 18, we probably go back to that like penalty that he got assessed on Saturday where everybody's staring at his ball and we're talking about it for a while. But uh, Daniel Berger rolls in an eagle to save us all from that. But Mav McNeely, obviously the local ties to Pebble Beach. We've seen him play well at times. I'm not sure his his, his PGA Tour career, obviously very young. I don't know where he feels he's at, but uh, good to see him po post the clubhouse lead on a Sunday. Yeah, it was a, a really nice performance. Again, he kind of came out of, it's not out of nowhere, but he kind of put himself into contention. You're watching him saying, oh, that's a nice run for Matt. Oh, that's a ni nice run for Maverick. Oh, he's got a real chance here. So it was a, it was an amazing run for him. And I credit the driver. Um, he hit 13 of 14 fairways on both Saturday and Sunday over the weekend. You just give yourself that many opportunities um, and and you're going to make a couple of birdies there. So I, I think his iron play is probably the thing that holds him back a little bit. Again, I mean, you hit 13 fairways in round three and 12 greens. You hit 13 fairways in round four and 14 greens. 14's much better, of course, but that's the area, I think, of, of weakness. You put yourself in position that many times. Like if Patrick Cantlay were in that situation – uh, he would have a lot more looks at birdie and I think he'd hit a lot more green. So that's the area of, of weakness for him. But, um, but a very nice performance, a very nice player. He's got 11, he won 11 times at Stanford. It's a he tied Tiger Woods record for wins. So uh, an impressive player.
Anytime you tie a Tiger Woods record, you are doing something yeah. right. Uh, okay, gentlemen, I'm going to fast forward this. I'm going to roll this ahead to Genesis next week. We're going to talk about that event, which I'm absolutely stoked for. We're going to give an update for our super contest, our one and done, all that good stuff. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order, plus free shipping. And we're back. We are entering Riviera week. This is one of my favorite weeks on the calendar. KP, not only do you get an absolutely stacked field, Dustin Johnson, John Rom, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas. I'm going to leave somebody out. Everybody's here. You also get Riviera, which is a difficult course. The most, te- the 10th most difficult course on the PGA tour schedule last year. You get an easy par five. You get that wild 10th hole, the drivable par four that everybody tries to figure something out. I mean, this, this to me has it all. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Remember when that was it Spieth a couple years ago, made like a nine on 10. Do yeah, you remember that? They, they either can't get out of the bunker or they keep hitting it back and forth. Right. That was it gets really narrow have, on that green. Yeah. That might've been a low point uh, for me. <laughs> I don't know about for him, but for me, <laughs> Yeah, you remember. He probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next week's going to be awesome. You know, as as bad as this field was, it's kind of the opposite next week, you know. And, of course, we'll probably get <laughs> – given how this week went, we'll probably get, so, you know, somebody from out of nowhere next week because everybody in the field is it, – it, it's loaded. 
Um, I, I think DJ is the big storyline for me. I, he's just, you know, coming into, I was looking at his numbers of the guys that were in the pebble field. I think over the last, it was like three or four months. He's, he's, he was twice as good as anybody in the pebble field. Cantley was the second best guy and he was twice as good uh, over that stretch, which is, it's, it, it's kind of insane. Like his numbers right now are just off the chart. So I'm curious to see how he, he always plays well at Riviera, but uh, yeah, I, you know, it'd be cool to see him kind of step on it a little bit and just start winning a ton, you know, leading into what was that the 17 or 18 masters before he fell down the stairs. He won three times in a row. I could see him winning, you know, three, two or three, two or three more times before Augusta this year. It's not, that's not a difficult thing to, to, uh, envision. There is, uh, I mentioned the infinite ways to play 10. A lot of guys will play it out to the left. They'll try to come in cause it's a little bit longer that way to Greg's point. It gets, it gets super narrow. Mark, this is the event last year. I mean, it was like pure chaos on Sunday. I, I mean, it, everyone was touching the lead. There were uh, crooked numbers being made all over the place. It, Dust settled. It was Adam Scott winning for the second time at Riviera. So if it's anything like last year, uh, I'm all in. You would expect so. Just the way the golf course sets up. I mean, 10, uh, that that entire back nine, 10 is a birdie opportunity, but you approach with caution because like you referenced, to me, every time I go there, that green seems to get a little narrower and a little (laughs) more rounded. Uh, There's something about that place because there's so much play out of the bunkers that all the sand left on the green. I think folks are naturally building this thing up as they play the course. But then you turn into a stretch of holes there, 12, 13, 14, that I mean. 15 is a challenge. Um, 15 is also difficult. And then 16, 17, you can get after. And then 18 is just a tough four. So it's always the place where folks are jockeying for position. And if you can take advantage of 17 and somehow make a four or three down 18, you might you know step free of the, of the pack. But it's it's, to me one of the best courses on tour, certainly in my top three. And and you've got everything there. You've got Hollywood, you've got Beverly Hill, you know, Beverly Hills. It, it's, it's just perfect. And it's a perfect time in the calendar. And it's kind of the exclamation point to what is always a sensational West Coast swing. And so I'm jacked for it. It does have everything. It even had me on Thursday morning fist bumping Sung J M at about six twelve a.m. still in the dark, and he promptly missed the cut, which I think is probably my fault. Um, you know, looking at this, Greg, I, I love it when uh, courses bite back. You know, I mentioned this is the the tenth most difficult course on on tour last year. Uh, uh, there are going to be situations where par is a very good score. Um, uh, Ten is one of them, right? I mean, there's difficult holes. There's a difficult hole in the back. I think it's. 15, I think, was one of the most difficult holes on, on tour last year. Um, I love that, right? This is generally not going to end up being a birdie fest. This is going to be one that is won by a true grinder. It, yeah, it reminds you a little bit of the Farmers Insurance Open in a way where it's just a, you know, it's a big golf course. It plays a lot longer than the yardage. If, if you look at some of the statistics, it um, players, the, uh, the field on average hits way fewer fairways than average on tour they hit way fewer greens on average um than than the tour average for all the other courses so it it really challenges your driving um it challenges your club head speed because the rough can get a little bit thick and um and and it can be really difficult to hit some of those greens and hold some of the greens so you know the hitting fairways becomes important getting distance becomes important um it, also you can hold the greens which i always love it, it's really fun to watch so for me when i'm i'm looking at guys who are going to do well next week it's guys that are great drivers of the ball preferably long 
and guys that have um, really solid short games as well. Iron play is always important, of course, but that's why Dustin Johnson to me, to Kyle's point is so interesting because what he's doing on tour with a short game this year is, um, is phenomenal. I I think he's 18th on tour strokes gained around the greens. He's hitting like 64% of his fairways. He, his stats right now are, um, are crazy good. So I think he's got to be a favorite. And I'm also interested to see what a Victor Hovland does. I I think it's a a good fit for Hovland. Um, a little more of a, a low key guy than DJ, but, um, and I think Victor Hovland's another guy with a much improved short game. He's 60th around the greens for a guy that a year ago said my chipping sucks. I, I think it's really improved. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Hovland does too. Uh, one of my favorite quotes ever. Yeah. DJ, DJ's a cheat code. He's not even, he's not even fair yeah. at this point. Um, looking at our super contest, we were all losers. I was the smallest of losers. I lost 6%. Uh, Greg, I was trying to, I was trying so hard. You had that Patrick Reed outright ticket at farmers. I'm yep. hanging on to this Nate Lashley 150 to one ticket. I would have been set for the season. I wouldn't have had to do anything else. I just would have picked matchups the rest of the way and beat you donkeys all year long. But no, <laughs> now I got to go back out and grind it. I was trying to catch you, bud. Yeah, you were trying. I thought you were going to for a while. I really did. And look, I knew you had that ticket. I had a speed ticket too. And I, I thought for the whole week I was, I was uh, clicking my heels together thinking I'm going to run away with this thing because I just keep picking winners and he, he kind of faded. So it was a little disappointing. I want to see a uh, gif what? of you clicking your heels together. <laughs> we can work on that. That'll be. A, we need a segment on course record of you just clicking your heels together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they got to be red too while you're at it, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, that's right. One and done update. Uh, I'm looking at this. We did. Uh, oh, Greg, you did okay. Okay, so here we go. So update, coach. Coach is at 1.6 million. He got 30,000 from Sam Burns. Producer Jacob, 2.2 million. KP, you had, oh, you had Kevin Streelman, yeah, who got cool. you 165,000, but he went through that stretch of 18, eight, eight to 13, which was like a half a shot over par. Highway robbery. Played him at three under. I thought he was going to... Uh, uh, I thought he was going to win this thing for a second. He finishes 13th. He gets you 165,000. He doubled, uh, what was it? 16, 15? One of them. One, one of the, one of the last few holes. I was, I was, uh, I was bummed out. Yeah. Uh, that moves you in season totals to 2.8. Uh, I am now up to 3.1. Thanks to my $30,000 from Sam Burns. So that's not so good. <laughs> Greg, you are the big winner here of the week. Because you got three hundred and one thousand from Paul Casey, and I have actually another comment about Paul Casey coming up. But Greg, Paul Casey, T four, three hundred and one thousand dollars. That was much needed because you had basically earned two hundred thousand in the in the seven weeks prior to that. Yeah, geez, it'd been such a. I, I went with a guy. I just I knew he was going to play well here, and, and you're not going to love. He's not a guy that I'm going to be itching to play throughout the rest of the year. I don't think I'll be. He, he he'll play at other places. Well, um, he'll be a good choice at other places, but I don't think there's as obvious of a choice as this one. So I, I went with it, um, and I'm glad it paid off because I was in a real ugly, ugly slump. That gets you to 3.7 million. You are $600,000 behind Mark at the top. And Mark, while you took Francesco Molinari in the one and done and you earned 17,000, the aforementioned Paul Casey won you what might be a more important wager of the week. You are now 
am I correct to say three and O in wine wagers over fellow podcasters? I am, and it feels good. It really does. <laughs> and as much as what I'm ruining the Francesco Molinari thing, in fact, I was texting back and forth with his coach um, James Rudyard, and, and the the laugh was the the top tee shot from Molinari in round three off the first. And so I'm like, really? And he goes, dude, you should have seen the wedge hit to 16 on uh, on Saturday afternoon too. So he didn't have his best stuff, Molinari, but, you know, knocking off coach. Uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with him because, as we all know, he's larger than life and and never short of an opinion. And he was so high on Zalatoris. And, and pulling against Casey here, I, I think Casey next week is a sensational pick. I'm personally, I'll, I'll let the cat out of the bag, saving him for Innersbrook. Um mm. So uh, so I think Casey will be good again next week. Pull behind the uh, a look behind the curtain here. We we all showed up in the in the room here and Mark goes, where's coach? Where I got I got to have a word. I got to have a word with coach. I got to make sure he knows that I have uh, won this wine wager off of him, which I thought was which I thought was funny. Uh, gentlemen, that's it for Pebble Beach Week. Unless there's anything else. What have we missed? Anything? Anything? Going once. Uh, what about the uh, lunch money uh, DraftKings little pool that we had going on? Did you win it? You were only yeah. bringing it up because you won it, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I just wanted to give myself one last little pat on the back. Hey, okay, so while we're at it then, uh, I've won these bets three times. I've yeah. been paid twice. Uh, where, where's the third dude? Huh? The post Anybody? office has been extremely slow these days. <laughs> Okay, I'll let you slide. You're a new dad. I, pro- I, I promise you, it's coming. And one of these nights at four in the morning, uh, I'll I'll get that. Over. I'll I'll personally deliver it to you. I'll book a flight and I'll drive it. I'll fly it down there and personally deliver it. Uh, it's yeah. getting well, thicker right now. Well, well, we know we know he's got. Net jets, yeah. Set up, set up the deal. We know he's got a little extra lunch money. He took all of our lunch money, so we know it's. Uh, we know he can he can afford a bottle of wine at this point. Um, all right, gentlemen. Much appreciated. Pebble Beach Week in the books. We turn the page to Genesis. Producer Jacob doing great work as usual behind the scenes. Let me thank Greg Ducharme. You can find on Twitter at the Real GFD. Let me thank Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.